All righty. Welcome to MSP Initiative Live. It is Thursday. Today, we bring our friends on from Datto. We have Dez on, and we'll be shortly joined by uh, her colleague from uh, from the BizDev team over at Datto. But uh, hey, you know, it's another Thursday. Dez, I think you're based out of Canada, right? I am. We got snow yesterday. Might be a white Christmas. Pretty excited about oh, that. There you go. Um, good Very old nice. Calgary, Alberta, eh? Yeah, very nice. Very nice. So like, I know you're, uh, you know, for the people who don't know you personally or haven't run into you uh, before, why don't you give a little bit of your background, right? How did you um, get started in the channel? Like, you know, why, you know, yeah, how did all you of those good things. Yeah, okay. exactly. Just give me a little quick down memory lane. Sweet. Um, so I've been in the channel for, I think it's been about five years now, super excited. And I, walked into a uh, pass portal. I'm out of Calgary, Alberta. I walked in a pass portal, met Dan Wensley and was like, no, I don't need a job. I'm good. I would just, just wanted to see what's going on here. And by the end of that conversation, I was like, you know, I'll come work here. This sounds like a great idea. This channel thing sounds amazing. Uh, and so I've been in the industry ever since. I now work for Datto um, under Rob Ray. So I'm on the biz dev team with uh, Mike Tapama and the other bunch of us. And my background is in sales. So I have this background in sales and traveling and people and talking and just yakking a lot, uh, which is all good. And then now in as a CDM role, normally we see each other on the road once a week, traveling 70% of the time. And now my husband's never spent this much time with me and he's questioning his, questioning his past opportunities and choices. But now we're here in Calgary and it's awesome because we've got a lot of real, there is some really good positive stuff like getting to see you once a week uh, and getting to do all these events and seeing so many more people than you would have actually in person. So it's fun. Yeah. I mean, you're, uh, you tend to do like multiple, you're like, you're, you're a multi, multitasker, right? You sometimes doing two or three things at once now. Oh, so many times. <laughs> the number of times I hop on like one of these calls and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm actually working three events right now. Every it's it's great. <laughs> uh, totally get it. Um, so I mean I mean, so I mean, you've done a you've done actually a, a lot, right? If for people who follow you online, you've actually really got creative with the online videos and you know, kind of the, you know, kind of cheeky, but also business relevant type stuff. Um how hard was the transition, right? Because like for somebody who's on the road three out of four weeks a month to, hey, now I'm behind the screen all day long. I mean, that's that's got to be a big, a big shift for you. Yeah. If you're asking me if I sat and cried like in a ball, that didn't happen. It did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was definitely a huge transition. Like even in my life, um, this is the longest time I've spent in one place in at least 15 years, if not longer. Um, I've never spent a whole winter in Canada and I'm kind of nervous about that because sometimes it gets to minus 40 and it's really cold for a really long time. But um, at the very beginning of this, the first thing I started to see is that there was so, so much sadness in people's lives and social media. And there's this huge weight on people's shoulders because everyone is kind of in the same place differently going through the same thing so I wanted to see what I could do to make people laugh and then people kept telling me that they liked it and then I kept doing it um so I've done videos like I built a cardboard airplane out of a, like a refrigerator box and I used that several times to just because I miss being on an airplane so much where I would sit and do my work in an airplane <laughs> that's cardboard and it made people laugh and so I've done a lot of things I don't know if you saw my mimosa I did a how to make a proper mimosa video Oh, I didn't do that. I'm going to have to go check that out. Um, so 
I mean, there's, I mean, for you specifically, right. There's gotta be a ton of just zoom fatigue, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're doing three, three sessions at a time, I mean, what do you, what do you do to just get through the day? Right. Cause they say that being behind the screen and being active like that for eight hours straight is really a lot more taxing than being in person. Right. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. Um, very early on, and I know this isn't easy for everybody, but it's something that I had to make a conscious effort of. And then something I, I think that everyone should do. Um, and you don't realize that until you do it, the difference, but I have specific on Sundays, I don't pick up my phone. I'm just, I refuse to be on any sort of social media phone. Even if people, unless it's important, like I don't even have the volume on. So I rarely even texting. Um, and that's really important just because like you said, we're used to being in person I have not spent this much time in front of a computer in my entire life. And so it, it is exhausting. There's times where even we have family nights where people are like, my, where my family is like, let's do a card Zoom night. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But moments like those are important. So you need to like have, um, within data, we have our Wednesdays where we have a low Zoom call. So you don't take Zoom calls on Wednesdays early in the day, or you have less, we're supposed to, we try our best. Um, but all of those things kind of help. And then also weekends. So making sure I turn my phone off and or on silent and get off of it at 7 p.m. So I have two or three hours before I go to bed and I'm offline. It doesn't matter. And it's important because I even see like um, we're a part of a lot of the same Facebook groups. And sometimes our companies get called out in these Facebook groups and you want to respond because you have the, this industry and the channel. All of our partners mean so much to us. But also on this other hand, you're like, then you're on all the time and you get this um, emotion tied to those responses and those things that happen and it puts you in this place in your head that's not really good for you uh, yeah. those are kind of like the things seven, right i mean that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah 24 7 all the time so for, <laughs> so for people who you know for people who don't understand what's happening in canada right now right a lot of people are u.s based um What's the situation, right? Are you guys allowed out? Are you guys allowed to travel a little bit? I mean, I know the border, like you can't walk across the border. I hear you can still fly across yeah. the border to go from Canada to the US with quarantining and stuff. So just give everybody just, you know, a general lay of the land just so that they know what's happening up north. Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of different rules and everything changes. Province, just like state to state, province to province, um, everything changes. There, the really good things that they're doing right now is um, so in Canada we don't have the rapid testing like you guys do. We don't have the um, the testing for if you've already had it, the antibody testing. We don't, at least in Alberta. I shouldn't speak for all of Canada. That would be um, an educated of me. But at least in Alberta, where I live, those things don't exist. Um, in Calgary and then a couple of cities, they released uh, at the airports where they do testing. So you can, I can go to the U.S. Prior to this, what would happen is I would be, have to, every time I went to the U.S. and came home, I had to stay home for two weeks. You're not allowed to leave your house, which also meant Trevor. And so that was the one of the reasons why I'm like, I'm not going to travel for three days and then come home for two weeks and not be able to do anything. But then um, now they have the testing. So as soon as you come back from the US, you get tested at three different airports if you fly into Calgary, and then you take a test two days later, if both of those come back negative, then you are free to do whatever you want. So that's changing a lot. Sadly, um, Calgary just got locked down. We just got notified that Christmas is canceled. So oh. no more Christmas. 
Um, we are, the rules in place here or in Alberta across the province is um, if you're a couple, you're only allowed to hang out with the two of you. You're not allowed to um, hang out with anybody else or other families or anything. They're shutting the bars. Bars and restaurants were open actually for an extended period of time. They're shutting those down on Sunday. So all bars and restaurants will be shut down. Gyms, everything like that are shut down for four weeks. Um, and then if you're a single person, you're allowed to go to one other person's house, but you can't change who that person is. So you're only allowed to visit one person. Um, and all of those are finable. So if your neighbor calls on you and sees like you have a car that doesn't belong to you in the house, the peace officers are now able to come and ticket you so they can come to your house, knock on your door and you can get a fine for that. So, and that was just Thursday that they announced it. So you can imagine everyone's a little bit, um, a little bit stressed. I, mean, I, guess, I guess there's a rush to all the restaurants and bars. That's what I think is happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going later. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, have, have a few for us for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, welcome, Mike. Yeah, sorry, I'm a little late. I had a webinar that actually got a lot of Q and A, which is a good thing. It's an end user webinar, so it's a good, good thing, good problem to have. But so thank I'm you, Travis. No, that's great. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing I asked Des to do. For people who don't know you personally, Mike, have never run out to you in the industry, why don't you give like a little walk down memory lane? How did you start? How, you know, where did you get into the industry? Kind of catch us up. Yeah, so I'm uh, the senior channel de uh, development manager at Datto. Um, I actually got pretty lucky with Datto. I'm born and raised in Norwalk where our headquarters is. And so I, I've had a lifetime of sales experience, uh, close to 20 years at this point. And there were some openings. This was when the company was about 300 or so employees and they were grow we were growing rapidly. And I got in just as a salesperson and, and moved over to business development about, it'll be close to five years ago now in, in uh, January. So it kind of gives me a good advantage coming from the non-IT space because when I do webinars like this with the with end users, which is the vast majority of my time, I can kind of speak their language. I, I explain it how it was explained to me, a lay person. So it kind of helps me with that regard. Um, but yeah, I'm on the same team as Des, normally out on the road. That's how I know you so well, George, you know, going around doing events and and all that type of stuff. So I've now been grounded. We just crossed our 150th end user webinar since April 1st. Uh, so it's a lot. I had three of them this morning. So that's why I'm a little bit late here, but it's good. Okay. Good, good thing to have. Good to be busy so on that regard. So let's, thank let's, you. Yeah, right on. Let's start with, uh, <laughs> you already got, you already got somebody saying, I need your wine bar. Uh, <laughs> every a little bit here during the holidays. 100%. Both Kim and Eric have the best wine bars in every event or booze cabinets. That's the first thing I'm going to change my uh, bookcase. Cause I thought it made me look smart to like a wine <laughs> booze cabinet just 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 to be part of the group just to be part of the team guys a couple of beer mugs that'll that'll help uh round out your your operation there um just shoot me your addresses via email or something and i'll get them out to you all right so let's learn let's let's take some lessons from 2020 right obviously hard pivot to online i'm going to ask some hard questions and we'll work backwards from there so in-person events which include MDF events, and you guys do a lot of market development fund events with your partners, all fizzled out, right? Like that just went up in smoke. So for the MDF event spend, where if, if it was possible, where were your partners able to pivot, right? Were they able to reuse some of that, that potential you know, funding to do something else other than in-person events? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I'm actually... Um messaging one of the, the attendees here, uh, Ron. Yeah, we did a, um, 
a lot of with these webinars that we did, the 150 you know plus webinars we've done, a lot of them have been $25 Uber Eats cards for all the attendees, maybe raffle prizes. We actually have gotten kind of creative, which is cool. We've done, I've probably done a half a dozen over the last couple of months where they're tied to like a wine tasting, remote wine tasting. We shipped out bottles of wine, um, partnered with a, you know, the partner went and found a winery. They all had their sommeliers or however you pronounce it, come talk about the wine. Um, so we did it, you know, either I did a brief presentation up front and we switch over to that. Or the better idea, I think, is they do a little intro, first glass of wine goes down, then they present. And then I get to come up after a couple of glasses of wine and do my thing. Um, so that's been cool. Even like a food a cooking lesson. This guy did a cooking lesson. Everybody had their laptops in their kitchen. And, uh, and it was cool. So there's creative things like that that we've been doing. So the funding was still there. Um, but we're doing, you know, I, we have an MDF panel every Friday. It's full of requests. I mean, that's an hour long call, which is cool. You know, that's awesome. So, you know, generally speaking, do you feel that the, like the people, there's a lot of people who say, I didn't know there's MDF available or uh, I, you know, how do I, how do I start the process? Is there like, what is your best recommendation after going through all of 2020 and now thinking about 2021, if you are, and maybe this isn't specific to data, this is just generally for the industry, you're working with a channel vendor where do you start? Who should you be talking to? And where, when they come to ask and put the hand out saying, hey, need a little bit of help, you know, what should they be armed with to give them the best shot of getting some, some help? I'm always looking for a, a, a plan. So I always take a step back and say, okay, what is your marketing plan for Q1 or all of 2021? Let's put it all down in some bullet points. And then we start to dive into, all right, we got this money. Here's money that I can provide. There's some things I can't fund. There's some things I know I can. And then you start to talk about, all right, well, what is on, this? Let me, let me pause you for a second. What are the things that you can't fund? Mostly third-party consultants. So we have partners that'll come to me and say, hey, we're going to hire a temp to come make cold calls for this. We can't pay for that temp's time. Uh, we can't pay for um, those. And we get a lot of those requests. The hard cost, even like LinkedIn ads, we can pay for the hard cost of whatever that LinkedIn ad is. But if you're working with a consultant that's got their fee on top of it, we can't. And one of the reasons was we were seeing these, these uh, consultants out there that would give their invoice or give their proposal and say, yeah, but data will cover 3000 of it, you know, and they would say that all the time. And so you start doing it. And so we had to pump the brakes on it. So the hard costs are what we can, we can fund, but okay. I want to ask them like, okay, what's the end game here? It's great to do a webinar, but who do you want at this webinar? I don't care if there's a hundred people, if they're not decision makers or they're coming for a free Uber Eats card, it's a waste of everybody's time. I'd rather have 12 people on a wine tasting that are, these are the perfect seat size industry. I've talked to them, you know, this will push them over the edge. And we don't talk about data for the most part. I, you could ask, I know Ron's messaging. It's a more of an educational piece with the call to action of, hey, let the partner come in, do an assessment, find out, you know, we judge results more on the, if you bring on a new client, it doesn't have to be a data client because eventually we're hoping you expand your, your stack and you sell data, but it doesn't have to be, so, solve that initial need and then expand it. So that's one of the misconceptions that they think it has to be like this Datto pitch. I don't even talk about a Cirrus or Alto or anything like that. No, Des is the same thing. Des is just much happier and smiley. Than so, so obviously backup is a pretty established conversation. Where has the dialogue with these end customers of these partners gone, right? What's the talking points coming into the end of the year and now thinking 2021 
you know, what, what seems to be bubbling up to the top of these 150 webinars? You know, what's been interesting is, and we've been preaching, I know you probably have too, the idea of co-managed IT. And we've been preaching it to the channel. But now we've actually shifted that into an end user presentation because we're opening these doors to folks that shut the door. That's what I tell them. How many people have you talked to that are in your CRS, CRM systems that said, no, we have an in-house IT team? They're willing to listen now because they just went through a painful eight months. Now they're willing to listen. So we've got presentations that are tipped that are targeting those folks. We're not trying to replace you. We're trying to work with you. Um, and we're getting some traction and that's allowing the channel to move up market. So that's interesting because that's something I never did prior to the pandemic. So I want to, I'm just going to go add in there yeah. just on like the talking about what to do and how um, De Palma was talking about, like, we don't care if there's 10, 12 people or a hundred people, but sometimes I, I always talk to these MSPs and they're worried about, well, I'm just going to do a blanket approach. Well, what about what's focused this webinar specifically at those, your salespeople are talking to them all the time, those four people that they just can't get over the edge. What's the conversation that we can have? What's the presentation that we can tailor just to those four people? Because if we can have a better close rate, you get four people on and you close two of them, that's still good for everybody on board rather than a blanket approach of you don't even know who's going to be there, which is still a good idea, especially if you're getting your name out and continuing that like branding or brand awareness out there um, and no like making sure everyone around you knows that you're the person to go for, for education, for security, for those things. But still those focused approaches, it's, it's worth it. So basically the general theme I'm getting here is don't be a generalist, right? Be very strategic in the people that you're bringing into these situations, because I got to assume that you are tracking ROI on your MDF dollars, right? I mean, if somebody comes to you and it doesn't work, they may not be able to come back again for a while, you know, because there, there wasn't any turnover for everyone. Yeah, to some, I, yeah, we, we definitely review them, but I just encourage people not to say, okay, that the funds are not coming back my way. It's just, let's do something different. Whatever you did, didn't work. And I actually like that because that shows that the partner is forward thinking because we have it all the time. We'll do a webinar and four people show up and they say, I'm never doing one again, you know? And, but it's more of like, well, what went wrong? Let's do another one. Or maybe we just do some recordings. I've been doing a million recordings as well to send out in, in newsletters or email blasts or ahead of a QBR. Hey, we want to talk about SaaS protection. I know we're just, you know, we're looking at uh, Microsoft 365. Take a look at this. So there's a lot of different ways that, you know, we're doing things. And for my team, we're, like you said, we're usually on the road all the time. Um, this is all we're doing. So reach out to us. This is literally 90% of my time is spent doing these webinars with end users. So not fair. All right. So here's another one for you then a little bit of an interesting one. Uh, and again, not going to hold you to it. This is an official company stance. I'm taking your personal we're public opinion. now, George, I can't say anything. Uh, it's fine. Do you, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Do you, <laughs> you personally feel that road shows and your conferences will return in person in 2021? That's a gut feeling. I'm not asking for a, you know, a, a company. For my mental health. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think we could um, say, I mean, I, I, my gut instinct says yes. Uh, the ch uh, channel company had a survey, I don't know if you saw it, that just went out talking to the industry about whether they think there's going to be in-person uh, thing. It was actually, I mean, I want to say 75% of MSPs said they plan on going to events starting in at least Q3. Some of them are ready to go now. So it's all going to be driven by whether there's going to be attendees. I mean, I, Rob Ray can't wait to get on the road. He's got that tracker of how many days he's been quarantined by. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, if the, if the channel says like, yeah, we're ready to go and, and everything is safe and we could find venues, 
I think that that's the goal. Yeah. I know you're, you're chomping at the bit too, George. Oh, I mean, you're already out there. I'm, I'm driving around going out. Yeah. Like it's going out of style. Um, so if there is a Datocon US in 2021, if, where would that be? Are you able to say that? I think that's public, like what, right, Des? Yeah, that's definitely public. I don't remember where it is, but it's definitely public. For 2021? Yeah. Seattle? I think we've telling people. Seattle? Yeah. Okay. Seattle. And then is if there's a Dado Europe, where, where is that looking like? That I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know that one, where it's going to be. Um, where it was going to be this year, Des? I don't Paris. even remember. I have... I forget. We we'll probably use what. Oh no, it was gonna be in Germany. Yeah, Berlin. I thought. Oh, you meant this year. Sorry. Yeah, I what I'm saying. Meant. So they might just push that back to you know move that would be my guess because I haven't had any discussions about that. Fair. Okay. Um, what's changed now that the company is publicly traded from your position? Uh, in my position personally, the biggest fear I have is saying something I'm not supposed to. Every one of our presentations has to have sources, you know, so I can't just throw out stats that come into my mind, which, you know, everybody that's on stage sometimes does that. So every, so, you know, it is there, it's, you know, it's more formal in terms of the day to day, it hasn't changed at all. Like I, I don't feel anything. Um, maybe Rob at the upper level does in terms of my day to day, other than the fear that I'm going to get in trouble for saying what I'm not supposed to. I don't, I mean, Des, you might disagree, but. No, I agree with you hundred percent or the, the, <laughs> always worried about my slides. I mean, like, is, is this all legit information? Can I source oh, yeah. all of this? I'm <laughs> so worried that it's like, or you might accidentally let something slip. That's like, because we're so used to just talking and there's statistics you have in your head or news articles that you know you've read, but then did you actually read it or did someone tell you that? And now like, don't quote me on it. I'm yeah. pretty positive, it, almost. Well, the fun the running joke is that, uh... <laughs> just to pull the curtain back the, you know, we talk about how much data we have in the data center. I mean, that's a very hard number to really know. So we always like 500 petabytes, 550 petabytes. It sounds right. But now I just pulled it out of my slide deck because we have one of the largest private clouds because I don't, I don't, you know, that number changes so often that it's a hard number to pin down. That was just like the, you know, the running joke, like, oh, we got to really figure this number out because it could change presentation to presentation. Somebody has to know what it is. You should say, you know, Something, something plus, right? And yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's more than 100 petabytes. Yeah, no, I get it. So what, where, you know, for that, so you've done some, you, you as a company have flipped because obviously you couldn't do events in your various region, mostly. You flipped to these online events, MSP days, you've called them. Um, I assume they've been successful. You've done several of them. Um, I haven't had a chance to see it. So for the people out there that haven't had a chance to attend, Generally speaking, what is the focus that Dado is asking their partners to pay attention to moving forward? What what what's missing? What what do they need to know that they don't already know? What I like about these tech days, and we did the roadshow circuit. I know George, you've been there. Where we try to pile a bunch of things into like a two hour, two and a half hour presentation. People are always saying, well, this is high level stuff. I want to get more into roadmap stuff. I want to get more into the weeds. What these tech days have been great at is, you know, our CISOs on there, uh, our head of product is on there. And so like our presentation yesterday was 15 minutes out of five hours. So the, you know, cause I said, what is it? They don't want to hear about what a biz dev guy wants to talk about PSA, you know? So it is much more, and it, it I monitored the chat and it was 
I recognize established partners that are like, we didn't know you did this. We didn't know about this integration, you know? And so I think that has gone a, such a long way because, you know, you take it for granted. Sometimes all these cool features are known by your partners. I'm sure you have the same thing. And these tech, and they've been wildly successful. I mean, 1,800 people, 2,000 people, like, you know, really good. And I think that's the reason why. I think it's because it's like, we're getting some real granular. How many times you get to hear from a CISO from a global company, you know? Um, I don't know, Des, is that kind of what you're thinking too? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's the, each team is responsible for something. So it's really, really cool that you might have like the sales engineers who are like, I hear this all the time. I think people want to hear this. And they have the hands-on experience of the questions and the information they're getting. And we're actually really serious about feedback. So even we've done three now, every one of those events has been, the next one's been different because there's been some sort of feedback that people are missing. Like this time we, um, prior to this, we had a demo of one data, like all of our products, but this, they broke it down to how does it solve these problems? How does that benefit your business? Um, and then we, the partner panels are another huge big thing because you're bringing in partners who are using the solution and succeeding in it and how are they doing it and the number of times well everyone every partner panel I've done people have asked to to, not to connect with me with the partners afterwards because like whatever you're doing is clearly working let me find out more information about exactly how you're doing that um yeah it's I if we could do MSP tech day in, I think that we should do that moving forward always because it's got a lot more value. And especially just like Mike said, in person, bringing in a technician to do a sale, a tech, a demo in person with people, although yes, but it's got, it, it's just not as easy. It's not as simple to do that all the time. No, good point. I mean, there is the bet. You know, that's some of the benefit of the virtual, right? You get access to people that you otherwise wouldn't get access to. So how, how much is too much though, guys, right? I mean, 150 webinars is a lot, three events, you know, simultaneously a lot, like where, if you're, if you're, you know, giving advice to your partners, the MSPs out there selling to their end customers, where is the balance, right? How much is too much or how much is too little? Um, I would say, I typically say do a webinar per quarter. I see some of them, if you're going to tell a story and it's part of a series of webinars, you could do them monthly and you could stagger them, um, you know, which I like, you know, you start to, so then it becomes an educational uh, kind of series of, of webinars. But I like to do, what I always say is you could, you, know, you can go in parallel paths. You can do a live webinar once a quarter. Again, it becomes routine, but also little short videos that you put out in newsletters and things like that that we can record. And, uh, you know, actually the first partner I did that with was Bob Coppich. He was on the panel yesterday and everybody loves Bob, but it's his idea. He's like, let's block off an hour and, and, and we'll record four of these things. And then I've got four in my back pocket that I could send out. And I like that because it's top of mind. It's almost like a branding thing. They're like, Oh, I'm getting some education. You share it on LinkedIn and, and all the rest. Um, so that would be my cadence, probably quarterly live webinars with little short, educational pieces, even if it's about something that's just in the news, industry specific, you know, it doesn't take a long time. It's quick. Uh, that's my opinion. I would just add, say, whatever you're going to do, be consistent with it. So make sure that people, like they look to you for something. If you say you're going to do it, do it. I just have a partner out of Vancouver that is doing coffee, coffee and tech. And he has it set up with like, 10 different vendors that they're doing these recordings and then he will release them once a week. So yeah, it takes a little bit of time on the front end to get these done and edited and whatever, but then 
within for the next six, 10 weeks or whatever, he has material that he can um, put into this YouTube channel of coffee and tech. And each time he posts those, it's going to have more momentum, more brand recognition. But if all of a sudden he stops and then does one six months later, you're going to lose that momentum. Well, I also think like what you're doing right now, I think the conversations, I, I love the kind of panel style where you have a monthly one, but you're bringing in vendors, bring in, you know, I, I did one the other day with a guy from Veeam. I couldn't be a more direct competitor, but it was fine. You know, like it literally, could, and it was fine. It was good. It was back and forth. I and mean, the, the message of it was like, look for the audience. Yes. There's situations where you're, this partner was going to use Veeam. There's situations where they're going to use Datto. It shows that, Hey, this is not a cookie cutter solution. I got to understand your environment. And if your environment calls for a Veeam in this partner's opinion, we'll go with Veeam. I thought the message was good because it shows that you know this this MSP really is is a, is a partner. They're they're a consultant. They're going to put you in the solution that fits you, not what they you know what makes them money. So I like the conversations. Bring in a, a cybersecurity insurance agent. Bring in a, somebody from a state organization, FBI, whatever, and do that as a series, like the coffee and talk. It's like what we're doing right now. These conversations, I'll do a million click through presentations if you want. I prefer to do these. Agreed, hundred percent. I think Des is probably on board with that too. Uh, so, so from a technology standpoint, um, clearly, work from everywhere was just rapid fire. Clearly, Microsoft three six five exploded. Clearly, you know whether it's Azure or AWS or Google Cloud uh, bubbled up, and people were moving stuff around. Um, what, what is Datto's situation moving forward with the cloud workload, right? Like if it's Azure or Google or AWS or virtual workstation or virtual server, I mean, obviously Microsoft 365 continues to, to kind of, you know, mature, right? And they keep on adding more and more to it, uh, like Microsoft Teams, you know, and such. So where, where is your product offering go to help solve that situation? Well, I think it's definitely, a you know, that kind of data sprawl living in a lot of different places is something that's critical. And we have those conversations all the time. In terms of roadmap stuff, that is definitely something I can't talk about because I don't want to get fired. Um, but I mean, obviously it's something that we're, you know. There's definitely talk about, well, does the BDR make sense anymore if they're not there, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, something's got to be, you know, something's got to be adjusted, right, to cover the other side. But hey, it's okay. We'll pay attention for the future. We'll see what comes down yeah. the line. Updates coming. Uh, oh, oh, good. So where, from your perspective, and I, I feel like every other conversation I have now is very security focused. Zero trust and email and permissions and authentication and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this has to be coming up on your radar too, right? What's what's the conversation been like? Um, yeah, I don't know. I can start with it. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that has been the main conversation. One of the things we talked about yesterday was, you know, even if, even the MSP doesn't feel like, Hey, I, I'm not, I'm not a security company. Your clients view you as the security company. That's just the reality of it. So it's almost accelerating every MSP out there into acknowledging that that's what we're talking about. And, and that's really, um, I mean, it's a good hook to get people involved. Um, you go and see, go, I mean, all these events I go to, um, you know, the ASCII events, the channel pros, there's so many new vendors in the, in the security space that are, they, they're great. I mean, they're winning awards and all this stuff and I just don't know them, um, which is awesome. I mean, this is all new innovation. You probably see it too, George. I mean, even the vendors that sponsored our thing yesterday, as I went to the, there was vendors I didn't know. Yeah. Same thing. 
I'll give a quick plug to Christine Gassman. She's at a great new company, Cyberfish, which is a really cool tool. I said, Christine, just explain it to me in 30 seconds. And if you know Christine, she can't explain anything in 30 seconds, but she did it and it was good and interesting. So like, that's cool. You know, I mean, that didn't exist in my world before the pandemic. No, fair. I think that's such a good point to point out why working with a managed service writer. And it's something we talk about all the time, but why this co-managed IT and why working with a managed service provider is so important is because like Dupont just said, we there's literally at events that we go to, there's vendors that we didn't even see. And that's all we do is attend these events. So how can any um, technician have the time to see that there's even a problem and then a solution that solves that problem, let alone just trying to fix the problem. Like, and it, it's such a big, big much to take. And so why the industry is going so quickly into that co-managed world, or we even see like the move, the uh, SMB industry that had a managed service provider when they did the work from anywhere, when they did that transition, we, I see it in my conversations when we do um, MSP Rockstars, because you guys are rock stars. When we do those conversations, I talk to the end users and the end users who worked with the managed service provider are like, yeah, it sucked, but it was amazing. I was back, I was, I came in at work and I was home from working two hours later and everything was seamless. And I talked to other people and they're like, no, no, I never want to do that again. Please make it stop. Yeah. But it's such a good tie into the co-managed piece because there is the vendors that are out there. Think about being the NLCIT guy. I mean, even for an MSP to vet all these vendors and see if they integrate, that's a lot of work. Imagine being the one person handling an IT, you're going to go with the cheapest product or the one that's, you know, the good best sales rep and things like that. So when we have those co-managed IT conversations, that's one of the things that really is sticky because they understand that. So security is a huge piece into opening those doors to co-manage because they get that. They understand that, hey, I'm not buying a security product because you, you got to think of it as something much more holistic. I just said on my webinar just now, you know, and I'm not in the, you know, I said, like, I don't sell cybersecurity, but I, what I'm telling you is you can't just say, hey, I made an investment in, in security last year. It's not a product that you're buying, right? It's definitely a way of life, right? It's yeah, like right. Somebody gets to lose weight. They're like, you got to change your lifestyle. It's kind of like that, right? So- yeah. Um, I do, I do get worried sometimes though, that, you know, there's, there's very aggressive people who automatically like adopt a new label, right? First it was VAR, then it was CSB, then it was MSB. Now this MSSP, right? It's not a small word or term or idea. And I almost just, you know, tell people, Hey, pump the brakes for a second. Don't misrepresent what you're trying to do before you get yourself in trouble a little bit. Man, I can't agree with you more because there was this huge wave of even going to these industry events and they'd have like the, the keynote speaker would be, you got to be an MSSP. And it's like, slow down. <laughs> like it's not everybody, just like not everybody can go be an MSP. I, it's funny because all the, all the data of sales reps think I could start an MSP. They <laughs> say it all the time. Well, I'll just, I could start that, you know, and you're like, well, pump the brakes, buddy. It's not like you just dive into the, you, you know, so it's the same concept with that. I can't agree with you more. And a lot of vendors don't say that. A lot of vendors are like, oh, you got to get into this space. I'm with you. You got to be ready for it. You got to plan for it. You got to work your way up to that status, in my opinion. Um, and a good way to do it is to work with an MSSP. You see a lot of that kind of collaboration, right? And then you learn and then, you know, but yeah, you can't just dive in and say 2021, I'm going to be an MSSP. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, go ahead, Des. Go ahead. I've sat in uh, a lot of meetings with different peer groups where Ryan Weeks, our CISO, will come in. And it's 
hilarious to watch. Um, he is phenomenal. If you've never had a chance to watch him, you've got to sit down in a call. If you ever get invited, just sit down on a call with Ryan Weeks. Um, he's one of the few people that I can see do a, a meeting with a bunch of peer, with a peer group where he spends three hours, no slides. And it just is a fantastic conversation for three hours. It's amazing. Um, but he will start the conversation where people will be like MSSP and all of these things. And then he just breaks it down to pretty much is your house in order? And a lot of the time they have no idea. <laughs> if you haven't started there, you can't be an MSSP because do you even know if your house is in order? Do you know if your relationships with your vendors that you're using, is that in order? And then is your clients in order? And if you haven't done any of those steps and then it gets scary because people will be like, well, I don't even know where to start. Well, you have to start somewhere because you can't just end up at the end. Like it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Ryan is, Ryan is such a good resource. He's so calm and just relaxed. And I'm like, if I was the CISO of Datto, my, I, my blood pressure dude would be so high. And he talks about these scary things, but he's just like, so calming. Like, Ryan, I don't know what, like how you do this. What kind of medication you're on, man? Cause I would never be able to do, you couldn't pay me enough money. Level heartbeat, right? Yeah. Um, so what, you know, so you obviously you guys talk to partners all day long, which is great. What's working? Where, where are people winning new business? Where are people succeeding and growing their business that, you know, are definitely the things people should be concentrating on right now? I'm honestly, growth wise, I'm seeing an uptick in referrals. So taking care of your own clients and, and getting referrals, expanding it that way. And there's a lot of you know, it's not just waiting for folks to come in. It's legitimately coming in with a strategic plan of I'm going to go and I'm going to, when I have my QBRs, I'm going to go in there with some prospects that I know this person's connected with. You could do some LinkedIn mining, simple things like that. Um, one of the things I've been encouraging is uh, start an advisory board within your own MSP. Every vendor's got their little advisory board. One of the reasons is you get good feedback. And also people feel, you know, they like to be part of that cool, cool kid group. So start it. Why not? And then you got these guys and you're getting good feedback. They, they, you're going to create clear stickiness with this client because they're on your advisory board. And then they're going to promote you because a lot of, you know, business communities still got their hair on fire. So if you now get somebody to promote for you out there, uh, like organically, I'm seeing a lot of that. These webinars, hey, you know, get your clients on there, ask them to, to bring some of their people on, you know, and it's worked. So the referral piece is the, is always what people say when they, how are you growing your business? Ah, oh, mostly referrals and recommendations. Well, how are you getting those? Well, I just kind of wait for them to come in. You're missing opportunity. Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. And that's why I go right back to the MSP rock stars. I see that all the time. And these end users are literally willing to sing your praises. And they're so happy that they're the last, what, 256 days or whatever it's been of their lives has been easier than their friend who owns that other company who doesn't work at the Men's Service Rider. Having that conversation with them, they're probably going to recommend you to that friend who's been complaining about how horrible this whole experience was. And then out to add on, think outside the box. I know that's not necessarily easy, but doing something is better than nothing. And then if you think you have an idea that's completely outlandish and then no one else is doing it, do it. Like the first people who did the wine tastings that that MDF we did had 150 people attending. That's massive. 
or the first people who do the um, like the murder mystery nights or doing something outside the box. Even I had, I don't remember which state it was or when exactly, but it was when things were kind of opening up again, where this Per, um, this partner of ours I was talking to and he's like I've been going back to door to door like to office to office door to door and he's like people are so starved for interaction right now that and he's doing it safely and all of those fun things but he's like people are so starved with interactions I've been able to book more meetings going door to door than I have when people because we're on I don't know about you guys but I have another call right after this I wouldn't have time to have a meeting in between, but if you're going to catch me when I'm like in between, then yeah, I'll sit and talk with you for a few minutes because it's way cooler to see a person in real life right now. <laughs> that's good. These are, that's good. That's good advice. It's actually pretty straightforward things that you probably just never put in place, never put in action, never thought about it. It's actually pretty good stuff. So looking at, you know, what are your partners telling you about what their feeling is about going into 2021 are they feeling like things are you know they have an idea they're, they're a little bit more on concrete ground rather than you know earlier in the year where there was a little bit of quicksand going on like generally are people still cautious or do you feel like there's a little bit more of a positive you know vibe going into the into the 2021 i would say overall it's a positive vibe i will say it's it's amazing how it varies region to region right? Different parts of the country have such a, you know, uh, there's such a differing factor when you talk to somebody from the Northeast, as opposed to somebody out in the Southwest. So, but I do think overall, after that first wave of fear and all of the rest, I do think that there is a, a lot of optimism because all of these companies were forced to adopt all these new technologies. That just means now they're bought in. And one of the themes of the presentation I did with Greg Jones yesterday was that SMBs are, are demanding more from MSPs. They're expecting, the expectations have gone up, which is a good thing overall on the macro level. That's great. Cause if they're demanding more from their IT that means they have to outsource it, right? I mean, that's a better reason to outsource it. So once you get your house in order, like Des said and you get your plan of this is what I'm doing and you can have those examples you know, they're demanding more of it. It's more of a reason to reach out. So I think there is that optimism that the channel in general on that macro level is elevated. And then it's a matter of how you differentiate yourself. The conversation is becoming more not why do you need to work with a managed service provider as opposed to why do you need me to be your managed service provider, which is a great thing. I like that. That's a good, that's a good slight, slight move in the other direction. But I like that. Des? Um, I... I, I agree with everything that Palma just said right there, that the conversation is definitely shifting. Like, we, like I've said so many times, like people know they now need one. So now who are they gonna work with? Um, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. And then even thinking like, um, I know that like, I don't wanna not talk that there are people that aren't doing well. Of course, that's a thing that's happening, but the number of people that I talk to that are doing, I had two different partners reach out yesterday who said that they've had the best year that they've ever had. And that conversation is happening every day. Yes, there's people who aren't doing well, but there is the entire industry. We were in um, our MSP Tech Day yesterday where there's people chatting about, can I acquire your company? I wanna acquire your company. This is the era that we're in, that people just chat on a forum about acquiring one company. Um, and that is happening across the board. So people are growing these, uh, as much as the S&P space is struggling, MSPs are doing pretty well. Um, 
I, I, uh, as much as I hope. And the so merger and acquisition thing is big right now. That's another, it's a good, and even like some of the large MSPs are getting acquired and we're seeing uh, VC money come into the channel to purchase MSPs. That shows you how big the channel's getting when the VCs see the potential and they're buying up some of those folks. I, we did like a little peer forum at DattoCon 2019 about mergers and acquisitions and it filled up immediately. So we're planning on doing something like main stage because there's so many people that come to these events looking to buy and some folks looking to sell. And there's a lot of various things. I know some partners will go in and buy an MSP and gut it. A lot of others are saying, I want that owner to be on there. I want them to be my CIO. And we have a lot of those. So there's two different models of it. But I think there's just as many people looking to acquire or are looking people that are looking to say, okay, let me, let me, let me get acquired. I still want to be in the space. I don't need to be a business owner right now. You know? No, fair. I mean, listen, it's, you know, it, it definitely, do you agree with the sentence that, you know, the pandemic fast forward, the technology agenda three to five years? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that number came up. I think Marv Raymond has stole that from you. Somebody said that uh, in one of our meetings the other day, it did accelerate things drastically out of necessity. And so, you know, the, again, all awesome stuff for the channel. That's awesome that everything is accelerated. We've been ready for it. You know, we've been waiting for the small business community to catch up. We were prepared for it in the industry for the most part, you know, so let's go, you know, you want something, come work with me and I'll, I'll get it done for you. So yeah, it's great stuff. And I think that's actually a good topic. Tell that to the end users. They get it. They probably haven't thought of it in that regard, but you know, the way you just phrased it simple, you know, We've, you know, we're, we're three to five years ahead of where we would have been, you know, had the pandemic not hit, you know, you need to work with me, right? That could be a good MDF deck. I was yeah. thinking like teaching your end users, could they do their jobs without technology and how much technology are they, are they not, or how much technology do they have to use in the last year and add on and then where they should be. So it would be a good, like to talk about, well, you already did this and we did that well, what are we going to do next like that? We, we should do something together, George. I mean, we should look at our, our partner list and say, hey, let, we'll do a panel style and user focused one. Let's See do that it. Barks all of the time. Um, what, what do you, you know, what is your, what's going to happen internally at Dano and vice versa? What are you hearing from your partners? Do you feel like, you know, there's going to be, you know, hey, Virus, you know, virus vaccines out. Everybody's good. Everybody has their seal of approval, sticker, card, whatever it is. Does, do people go back into the office? Is it a 50-50? Is it a, no, it's not going to really happen. Everybody stay at home. Maybe just certain people are in the office, like the, you know, the C-level guys. Like what's, what's your, what's your gut? My gut, um, and I, my gut is to say that most people, including Dado, are going to be slow to fully go back to trust it let's get through a full season and it's weird because data was very much uh nobody gets to work remote i mean just our team was remote everybody else had to be in the office it was not like oh you're a sales guy you can go move down to florida and work from there and so it is a big culture shift now that everybody's done it and then we've been successful doing it so you know i, I not to speak for the sea levels but my guess is it will be a slow process it won't be a, a switch that gets flipped that being said, on the MSP side, again, region to region. I know there's some regions that are like, I know some regions that are back to work now. And they're and because that's just, you know, they're they're feeling about it. And I know a lot of them are just ready to flip that switch and say, I, I can't wait to get back into the office, which you never would have thought you'd be thinking, but I'll, so many people are saying that. 
for sure. I am really, really excited and and just ecstatic about the work from anywhere world based on the hire from anywhere world. And that's something that I'm seeing. Mm. So I've got um, a lot of friends who've been laid off during this time. And the number of people that I, I've been able to connect people within the channel with different people. And I'm like, normally a channel vendor um, or even an MSP would not hire a Canadian to work for them. They, like, why, like, why would you do that? They'll stick to these little small bubbles. And then I look, um, so Calgary, Alberta, we're oil and gas. So we had a pretty crappy economy for several years. Our downtown core has been functioning at 40% capacity. That means there's a lot of people who are out of work who are technicians um, for oil and gas or they're doing all of these things. But if you won't hire someone, like unless you want to uproot your entire family and in Canada, let's face it, you got Toronto and Vancouver. You're not, unless you speak more French, because really you've got two major city centers that you can work in. Calgary isn't even that big for tech. And so there's all these people that can now work for whoever. And I have so many friends and so many great salespeople that I've been able to connect with vendors or MSPs or even um, an, another or Avic prior to this would never hire remote. And I was just talking to Caitlin the other day and they said, yeah, we'll hire remote now. That's phenomenal across the board. I can't see that doing anything but good across the world, like across North America. I agree. We, you know, we've, there, this idea has been happening since the, the early 2000s, right? To say, let's just hire smart people wherever they're at. Uh, but there, you're, there was a huge push against this thought, right? Because how do you know? How do you track their performance? Do you know, da, 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 right? Put all the fears behind it. Now it's like 180 miles an hour, another direction, right? If you're smart, if you're qualified, if you can do the work, yeah, you know, let's figure out whatever the 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 actual requirements are, right? Because I'm sure you know, like if you're from Canada and you're working for a U.S. company, there's obviously different paperwork involved mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? But yeah, I mean, now it's you know, let's like our hiring is national, for example, not just city or regional, right? Mm -hmm. so that's yeah, and that's like a leap of faith that a lot of businesses and all industries didn't want to take. Could sure you're in, like it makes sense, but how do I know? you know, this person, and we were forced to take that leap of faith now, like, you know, you were forced into it. So now you've got the data, like, you know what, we were able to stay productive. And we could tell personality wise, who can do that, and who can't, we know what to look for. So we were just like pushed over the edge, nobody wanted to take that leap. And now that we, you know, did it, it's like, oh, we could do this. You know, we were especially, stay productive. For, especially for MSPs, that whole time zone shift could really benefit you, right? Oh, Instead yeah. of having to alter start stop times, right? If you have if people in different time zones, I've actually even seen MSPs partner up internationally, right? Let's say you're here in the US and you hire, you know, you partner up with an MSP in the UK or an MSP in Australia. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're covering both sides of the 12 hour, you know, back end or front end of the day together. So Here's a spark. I didn't even think of that. See, I'm glad I jumped. I haven't even thought of it that way, but it's so true. Yeah. I mean, and, and now all of a sudden you're not paying overtime. People aren't working late. Everybody has regular hours. Right. I mean, there's, there's stuff to hash out, but now all of a sudden you're not talking about, you know, a language barrier. You're not talking about a knowledge problem, right? You could be using, using the same tools, the same software, the same integrations, and literally just put an agreement in place between, between, you know, two companies. So, um, not, I ha I'm actually hearing this a lot now, right? People are starting to get hip to this follow the sun type, you know, scenario. So that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's good. So, um, I, I can't stress enough and Des said it earlier, but the value of, 
not being afraid to talk to other people in the industry, right? I know peer groups are very, very uh, constructive, right? You know, because, you know, you're effectively signing an NDA in a lot of cases and opening up your books and talking about your challenges and hearing about other people's challenges. Not everybody's so keen to get into a peer group for whatever reason. Where would you suggest MSPs find other MSPs to just talk shop, at least online, I guess now? Yeah, I mean, there are some great, peer groups out there that people, most people, I know, I don't know very many MSPs that join a peer group and regret it. Um, and that's the conversation, but they are popping up in small pockets now. And a lot of them start on these, you know, Facebook groups and there's a million of them or on Reddit and they start to connect. I actually have a, there's a sales rep uh, at that. I'll give her a shout out, Megan Arena. She, she put together her own peer group with her partners. And I was shy. And some of these are competitors. I mean, they're in, she covers one Ria. She covers the Pacific Northwest. And she asked me to join. And I didn't even know what she was asking me to do. And she had 16 MSPs on there. And we talked about sales and marketing. And so wow. it, it doesn't have to be this formal thing. I mean, they're great formal peer groups. And, you know, we can promote all of them. But it doesn't need to be overly formal. I'm seeing partner MSPs do it on their own. Just, just like-minded uh, MSPs that they met through forums. That's one of the beauties of the channels. There's so many, you know, so much connection. And even though a lot of them are competing against one another, there's so much idea sharing. I've never seen it. In, I've been in banking. I've been in a lot of different industries. I've never seen an industry like this. That's got that community that wants to go and learn from potentially their competitors. I, I mean, I'm, it's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'll admit to Sam Horns, peer groups are amazing. I think of them um, kind of like along the lines of hiring a personal trainer versus working out yourself. You can do it, but guaranteed with a personal trainer, you're going to do it better and you're going to do it faster and probably with less mistakes. Um, so always peer groups are amazing. And then if you, but if you don't want to go that route, there's, especially now, you can't, it would be take you effort to not find a forum or an online session where you could, where you can interact with your peers. It would actually take more effort to not find it. I see it every day on every group that we're in on every Facebook feed. There's something going on, even as an example like this. Um, and then events, a lot of the events aren't necessarily paid events. So you might want to attend an event, but it's maybe not necessarily about the vendors, although of course come see the vendors, but it's not about the vendors. It's about those chat, um, those chats, enjoy the chats, put out, hey, I'm looking for this information and MSP, other partners and other MSPs are willing to talk to you and try to work through different problems together. No, that's great advice. So like, hey guys, you don't have to go very far to figure out where people are talking. Take a, take a little bit of time. I mean, don't let it take over your, your, you know, where you're not getting work done, but take a little bit of time, maybe in the evening, there's tons of groups out there. I mean, it's sometimes better to learn from other people who have been through it than to muscle through it yourself. Right. I mean, I think generally everybody will agree with that. I shouldn't, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I would say for myself, and I think Tomorrow will agree with me, but if you don't know whoever is watching and you're not sure, you can even reach out to us. I guarantee you, we have enough relationships with people within this industry that if you have a problem, I can put a call out. And usually like I had a, someone who had suffered from Mac problems and I was able to find two people to connect him with to try to help him through this within minutes. Um, and that's just because we do spend so much time. We have such a big network of partners and people and MSPs and we're in every Facebook group. If you don't know about a Facebook group, let me know. I'll reach you, um, connect you with the right Facebook groups to connect with. And there are MSPs that will tell you straight to your face, I will never work with data, but you could still go have a beer with them and still have these conversations. And I have a plenty of friends in the, in the MSP world 
that I don't, I've stopped even trying to pitch data. You know, I'd love for them to be data partners. I, you know, we, it, it, that's what I'm talking about with like the community of this. Um, you get to know these people and you learn different ideas. And I don't mind sharing these ideas about marketing with other MSPs that sell whatever else, you know, it, it, it kind of lifts all boats or whatever that thing yeah, is. You know? with you. So where do people find you guys online? I mean, obviously LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I mean, Reddit, I guess, like where, where do people run into you guys? How can they get all of you? I'm on all forums, Desiree Thomas. Um, you can LinkedIn me, Desiree Thomas. My email, I'll put it on the chat here, is desatdato.com. Super difficult email. Um, but uh, yeah, you can reach out to me at any point in time. Um, Des has got the best social media. Just to give her a plug, follow Des on social media because she does the best stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, at Michael underscore DePalm on Twitter. Um, you know, you could find me on LinkedIn. I put my email in the chat too. It's M DePalm. I'm not as big of a deal as Des, where it's just first name at Dado. I have to have <laughs> M DePalm. She's a, it, it's have like. You, yeah. Have you ever looked it? I bet you could. If, if, I bet you it's there. I bet you could do it. But Mike at Dado. I don't know. No, I only know of Rob at Dado and ET. I got to upgrade my uh, status here. But yeah, M DePalm at Dado.com. Again, I have conversations. Even if you just want to chat about peer groups or whatever. I mean, we could just chat. 100%. Guys, I really appreciate you guys for coming on board. This whole session was recorded, everyone. You can find it at mspinitiative.com. Keep on following us Mondays and Thursdays. We're going to take a break for the last two weeks of the year and then fire back up once January starts again. These guys are great resources. Do not hesitate to reach out. If you don't ask, you can't get. Appreciate you guys. All right. Thanks, thanks George. Let's do some webinars. Don't forget me. Yeah, I won't. You got All it. All right, buddy. Good. Cheers. I'm going.